0: Hello! And welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Our guest today is Dr. Pedram Shojai. He is the urban monk. He's the author of the new book, Focus, Bringing Time, Energy, and Money into Flow. We're going to talk about what that means, what it means to be in flow, how to reconnect with your breath and breathe in such a way that your brain is operating at its maximum capacity, how to regain control of your mind in this very tumultuous time. So again, we're going to be talking all about that stuff very excited uh, uh, to bring all of that to you. This is, this is, a, this is a, a way to reset your brain, uh, which, which for me is, is very important. Um, in a second, I'm going to give you guys two quick pieces of intelligence. But first, I want a quick word from our sponsors, including Rocket Mortgage. Mortgage the Intelligence for Life podcast is presented today by Rocket Mortgage, home loans that fit your life. Rocket can. Once again, just want to say thank you to Rocket Mortgage. Here we go with a couple of quick pieces of intelligence. When was the last time you slept in a bunk bed? Was it at summer camp, vacation rental? Well, bunk beds are in fact making a comeback, and this time they're for adults, not for kids. The Wall Street Journal is saying that the market is huge and increasing, and a lot of people are using them in guest rooms or when adult kids move back home again or when grandparents or grandkids come to visit. Bunk beds originated in medieval times as sleeping quarters for the poor and have been used for generations in military barracks and prisons, obviously. And today's bunk beds are more sophisticated, though. Isabel Gillies is the author of Cozy, The Art of Arranging Yourself in the World, and she says the reason why people are turning to bunk beds is because it's not a normal bed. It's a habitat. It has a roof, it has a climate, and it creates a cocoon effect. Retailers now offer bunk beds in sizes up to queen, and the retailer Resource Furniture sells extra-long twin bunks and estimates 30% of their sales are for adult use. I have bunk beds in my house, uh, but they're for the kids. Uh, One more thing. Have you guys started drinking straight pickle juice? There are many more pickle juice drinks in the market than ever before now from brands like Brine Brothers, Gordy's, and PJ Company, which stands for Pickle Juice Company, They all sell jars, cans, and shots of 100% pickle brine. And a new book called Pickle Juice by Florence Chiralt breaks down more than 50 recipes for brewing your own pickle brine at home. But why is pickle juice the hot beverage? Well, in recent years, lots of trendy bars and restaurants have been offering more cocktails featuring pickle juice, so there's a greater demand for the brine without the pickles. Plus, pickle juice is a proven health drink, Researchers at Brigham Young University found that downing a couple of ounces of dill pickle juice eases leg cramps in athletes. It's due to a compound in pickle juice that prevents nerves and tired muscles from misfiring and causing cramps. And a study in the journal Science in Sports and Exercise found that drinking pickle juice relieves muscle cramps 37% faster than drinking plain water. And that's why, if you search the hashtag pickle juice on Instagram. You'll find over 40,000 photos of people sipping the juice in cocktails or straight from a jar. I have had pickle juice. I thought I was going to vomit before I, before I did it, but it's actually, it's not that bad. And you know what? It's electrolytes. So, you know, you wake up the next day feeling uh, pretty good, pretty good, great for exercise. So it's, uh, it's good. Anyway, folks, here we go. I'm very, very happy to bring this to you. My interview with Dr. Pedram Shojai. Dr. Pedram Shojai, thank you. You're the urban monk. I mean, you've written a bunch of books. You, you're and and your new book is coming out soon. It's uh, or actually right now, uh, focus bringing time, energy, and money into flow. Thank you so much for being a part of this show today. We really appreciate it. Hey, great to be here. Uh, so let's dive right into your new stuff uh, into this into this book about about. I mean the the overarching title is focus, and I think. Um, Gosh, I, I think so many of us, have, are, are, we're, we're so disjointed in our lives. I, I, the newest research is showing how ADD, our, our society is becoming, how everything is shortening because our attention is being pulled in so many different directions. Human minds are not designed for that. We are really good at focusing on a single task and multitasking is an illusion. So I, I buy into all of that. Uh, <laughs> no, no small question. How are you going to fix that for us?
1: Well, we know we already have the answers. Um, And, you know, sometimes it's not what people want to hear, but it's going to take a little bit of work on their part. Um, We fully understand how doing mind body practice, meditation, Qigong, yoga, any of these, like, you know, wonderful mind body practices that have been around for 5,000 years, we know what they do to the prefrontal cortex. We know how they will drive more energy, more blood flow, more synaptic activity. In the serotonergic neurons, specifically up in the prefrontal cortex. What is that? That's the part of your brain responsible for higher moral reasoning, rational thought, negation of impulses, saying no to the cheesecake, and allowing you to become more and more focused. So you can say, Oh, I lack focus. It's like saying, Oh, I suck at pull ups. Well, how do you get better at pull ups? You do them.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: It's, it's practice.
0: Yeah. So, okay, so the, the idea, you just, you rattled off a lot of mind-body practices, and I think for a lot of people, uh, that is an opaque world, right? I mean, sure. There, there's, there's been a lot of work done in, in terms of making this stuff very accessible, uh, of taking out everything but the essence of it, um, like things like Headspace, where where it's just real basic, um, you know, real basic app that walks you through some mind-body practices. But, but what does that look like for people who kind of, who... Gosh, I mean, I feel like there's so many preconceived notions about this. They'll associate that with the occult. They'll associate that with all kinds of things that it has nothing to do with. Um, So how how do do you introduce people to that concept?
1: That's a great question, and that was kind of like the burning question I had coming down from the monastery was, you know, how do I translate this without all the woo for people who don't care, who are afraid, and, and you know, it's like not, it's not like the New Agers didn't, like, you know, screw it up, you know. Right. They, they yeah. turned it into, a like, an identity thing. Right. Right? So right. you're like, oh, I'm not one of those guys, right? right. And, and so then you don't want to do it, right? And so what is it? We're talking about the deep diaphragmatic breath work, that allows for your sympathetic nervous system to switch back to parasympathetic, which means rest and digest versus fight and flight. That means relaxing your gra- gastric muscles, so either sitting or, re- or bending your knees while standing, tongue curl touching the roof of your mouth, and doing low diaphragmatic breathing. If you're doing those three, you're doing all I need to get you to the promised land, and you don't have to get a yin-yang tattoo. You don't got to wear termen- a <laughs> you don't got to change your name. You know what I mean? Like take all the woo out of it. This is where the science is directing us is just do this and do lower diaphragmatic breathing. Train your nervous system to switch back to parasympathetic. And as you do so, you'll lengthen your fuse. What can you use a longer fuse for? I mean look at the world around you. We're all just about to snap and kill each other. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's, to me, it's a crisis of consciousness, and if we don't come back to ourselves, we're just going to go behead each other. It's 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 insane out there.
0: I it, I, I agree a hundred percent, and I feel like um, we were talking. I mentioned this a little bit before we got started. I feel like so many people have built their houses on uh, their metaphorical houses on on ground that has completely eroded beneath them in this process. Right. And that has made everybody that has shortened everybody's fuse to extend your metaphor, this idea that, Oh, everything that I thought was, isn't and everything, you know, everything that I thought is, or everything that I thought isn't actually is it's messing with people's heads. It's making people reactive. Uh, and I mean, in my own practice with this, I, I find that you're absolutely right that it does extend, extend my fuse. Um, so I just think that this is a really poignant time for people to start thinking in these terms and in thinking in the terms of how can I make my mind healthiest? How can I make my mind the most adaptive to the circumstances that are changing at a rate uh, I never expected was possible? And in a world I never expected to change in this way. Can we go back real fast to this diaphragmatic breathing? And can you give us sort of a primer on, on that? Because I've also heard we all breathe pretty shallowly. Uh, by default, and we don't and people don't even realize it. We're just kind of breathing with the top ten percent of our lungs. We're not really fully ex- exercising them unless we're out jogging. So, take me through that. What the idea of diaphragmatic breathing is? So, if you had a, an imaginary balloon uh, about
1: three inches below your navel, and if your focused intent was to inflate that balloon with every inhale, nice and slowly, just feel that thing inflate all the way as far as you can go, and then slowly work on deflating that. What that's doing is it's getting the diaphragm to pull the bottom parts of the lungs down. Not only does that help further oxygenate your blood and and spend less energy to, uh, you know, mine oxygen out mm-hmm. of the atmosphere. Uh, what that does is it feeds your mitochondria more oxygen The mitochondria need oxygen to mix with sugar to make energy, right? So it starts to superpower your body with more energy. And it also triggers your nervous system to say, hey, it's cool, relax, right? And so it's a physiological trigger to tell your nervous system that the lion isn't about to eat you. And the more you train Yourself in that, the less you're in that reactivity, the more you're sitting on your on the perch, and you can make better decisions for yourself. Instead of tumbling around in the white water, wondering, you know, who out there is going to fix all the world's problems, nobody is going to fix your problems, let alone the world's
0: problems, other than you. Right. So this, and then this will attach you to that to that sense of, um, I, I, you know, I want to say being control, but just that ability to to get into what is such a popular concept right now which is which is flow right yeah. and that, and you talk about that in your book uh, real real fast i mean what you describe sounds like flow to me but uh, but take people through what flow really is
1: yeah. I mean, look, it's flow is a, a state of being that has become obviously popularized lately with a lot of kind of, you know, modern writers and people who, mm-hmm. you know, looking at athletes and, you know, businessmen and everything. And the question is, what is this je ne sais quoi? What is this kind of common fabric of like human excellence? Mm-hmm. And flow has become one of these kind of, you know, uh, popularized words there. And And I don't disagree with its use, really. I mean, like, whether you're saying I'm in like, you know, I'm being a Jedi or I'm, you know, in the moment or mm-hmm. I'm, you know, present and all these kind of like, you know, things that are said. Um, flow is when you are in an adaptive state, your fuse is long, you tend to, your your brain tends to be in like an alpha wave dominance versus a high beta or beta dominance. And so it's just, you know, the frequency of how, how, how hard you're throttling, right, in mm-hmm. life. And then what you do is, you stay there and instead of thinking like your meditation and your mind body practice is some sort of quaalude every time you're already like, you know, down downstream and needing like a, you know, to offset a panic attack. Right. You stay there. And when the bullets come flying, you're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, I've seen this before. This isn't the worst that's happened to me. You know, duck, duck, parry, dodge, breathe, move aside, say no, thank you. And come from a place of, uh, personal power and agency mm-hmm. versus a place of reactivity where you're not in your best expression you're not using the parts of your brain that help you make those better rational decisions
0: right i mean and i think we all i mean obviously we we all really we, we all really want that right now one of the one of the things that i've heard how do i uh, that i that i've heard it compared to is you know everybody's kind of experienced flow in different ways one is athletes who who talk about time slowing down while they're playing Um, who programmers who, who get lost and put 10,000 lines of code out in, in a time frame where it would almost be impossible for that to happen. Um, and it's that, it's that thing where when, when, when the athlete says it was like I was playing the game, everybody else was playing at half speed and I was playing at full speed. And it's that sense, that connection to, um, to that higher mental state, right. Where, where, where you're able to do that. And I think we all, uh, We've all experienced some version of that. Sometimes it's you get lost in a story when you're reading a book. Sometimes it's you when you're when you were in school you had those moments. Uh so I guess uh You could the, train that. And you could yeah, train that. We have yeah, very let's, specific let's
1: things in Kung Fu that we would do, you know. Half speed, normal speed, double speed, 5x speed, and then we would do breath work and then go back. And you got to the point where you look like Neo from The Matrix where the guy was throwing punches as fast as he could and it seemed like slow motion to you. Mm-hmm. That's also a flow state, right? And so these are all things that could be trained. This isn't some sort of like Marvel comic where you're like, oh, that sounds so cool. These, I mean this these traditions have trained this stuff for millennia and we have new technology and new techniques and everything that are also training this stuff. But – Here's the deal. It's so cute to say you know about it. It's so cute to go to a dinner party. Who the hell goes out anymore? But, you know, to, to, to you know, go tell people about this cool thing that you heard of and then move on to the next cool thing that you heard of. Right. It does you nothing unless you practice it. You have to own and embody the practices. Then you're like, oh. That's what those guys were talking about. There's yeah. no way to talk around it. You got to do it.
0: Okay. So, so is it in, in, is, is I know the first step is this parasympathetic, uh, sympathetic m- breathing the, with the diaphragmatic breathing, uh, uh, and, and talk about, you know, we, we, I kind of glossed over this. Um, I want to know what the next step is, how we continue to practice it. Is it just that breathing? And then what is the thing with the tongue in the roof of your mouth? Why does that work? How does that, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. A couple of reasons. uh, I'll start with the tongue part first. Um, A couple of reasons is, you know, in the kind of Chinese systems, there are two major energy thoroughfares going up the spine and down the front of the body and the tongue connects those. And so somehow these guys figured out subtle electrical currents in the body before we understood Mm -hmm. electricity. And, you know, we we understand that this somehow works, right? We don't understand how. And anyone's like, you know, talking that smack is, you know, just a little over their skis. But we do see it work and we do see the results. Results of it, um, and so empirically, it's like okay, that's that's also evidence of something, um, and and you know, in doing so, we also physiologically by putting the tongue on the roof of the mouth, we open up the airway for the nose, and we know that nasal breathing increases not nitric oxide production. And the nitric oxide will help not just with cardiovascular health, but it will also help. It's, it's almost like this really interesting um, chemical for, for consciousness. And, you know, you'll, you'll play with this uh, sometimes like you know, anesthesiologists will play with this. It's, there, there's there's an altered state of consciousness, of, you know, that's associated with nitric oxide. And learning how to breathe, you can control your mental state. And there's some speculation that nitric oxide is part of that equation. So again, these are things that we understand. We don't understand the full landscape, but I can't say on the other side we understand that it works and it's been helping people, billions of people, for five thousand years. Mm-hmm. And now, just because we don't understand it, doesn't mean it's not true. It just means we're not there yet.
0: Right. So we so that the tongue, you just kind of put it into the roof of your mouth, just like you're like you have brain freeze and you just curl your tongue up and yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Find Just trace back from say like the back of your front teeth and you'll find like
1: the highest kind of point, the apex and that divot up there mm-hmm. and you'll find that and that's where you put it. And then you just breathe. And and to, to answer your second question. Um, yeah. Okay. So you did that now. Never stop. Right. What people are missing in this um, paradigm is we're still in a pill for an ill model of Mm -hmm. saying, okay, well, I did some meditation. I feel a little better and I'm going to go, you know, drink some tequila or, you know, go yell at somebody and come back and, you know, hopefully a month from now, remember that, you know, someone taught me how to meditate. That's just, that's, you know, it's juvenile, the way we approach our self-care. I, you know, for me, meditation is like an operating system. It's not something you double click every time you're panicking or stressed out. It's something that's constantly scanning saying, hey, dude, why are you opening all those windows? Or why are you on you know, instant messenger when you should be typing a document? Mm-hmm. And it's constantly checking your mindfulness. And the breath is the ultimate anchor to total body awareness because it is our anchor to planet Earth. It's our anchor to our body. It's like you stop breathing. You know, it's not going to go well for you know if, if, you, if you hang on to that for too long. And so as you cue your mindfulness with something as autonomic and regular, as breathing, right. it now anchors mindfulness into something that you're doing all the time. So guess what gets to ride right under that radar? Mindfulness. So you build that into your day. So as your practice increases, it's not like, oh, I got 17 minutes on my cushion today. Look at me. You know, this might get me chicks, right? Like, you know, <laughs> weird, dumb identity stuff that comes with saying I'm a meditator. Forget all that stuff. Throw right. it out. Right, right, right. Just keep doing it and keep doing it all day, every day. I'm doing it right now, right? Yeah. And why would I stop, right? Why would
0: I? Why would I be less aware in any given moment? Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, I, I again, you know, to your point there. And I, I think, I think a lot of the stigma has been removed. Like the the stuff we were talking about before, where this is kind of like that new agey uh, identity stuff. Uh, and people have really attached to the science and the the practicality of having something where you are, in. Te- I, I think, too, because so much of our life is unintentionally distracted right now in a way that when the New Age movement was really big, uh, we didn't have the kind of fracturing of attention that we do now. There were three networks on television, a couple of cable networks, and nobody walked around with these attention-seeking rectangles in their pocket 100% of the time. And now I think part of the reason why it's gotten so popular, part of the reason why the stigma is coming off of it is because our attention is being fractured in a million different directions. Um, there are a thousand different news sources with a thousand different hot takes on whatever is going on in the world. We have no concept of truth except what we hear on our own bubble. And, and I think people are like, Oh my gosh, here's something I can latch onto that helps my brain feel comfortable. Um, and I, and, and I, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's what we kind of what we need right now. You, you, you incorporate, um, gratefulness into a lot of the stuff that you, that you talk about in the year at the urban uh, and some of your previous work is, is all about this idea of gratefulness and combining that. How does, how does a mindset of gratefulness or how does a gratefulness? I'll call it a gratefulness practice. How does that influence your, the, the neurobiology of your brain? And also how does that coincide with this, um, intentional diaphragmatic breathing that we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, it all kind
1: of ties together actually, you know, so the central premise of this next book is focus. And, and, and the reason why I kind of, you know, got out of my zone to write another book was because we're in an era where in this thing called the information age, the thing that is monetized is your attention. Yeah. Right, Mm -hmm. And so your attention, as you've so eloquently put, is being drawn out of you by this little rectangle in your pocket or whatever the hell else is out there, drawn out of you. And there are teams of advertisers and neuroscientists that understand the primal, innate primal needs of the animal, the mammal, before the brain evolved up to the higher centers Mm -hmm. that I'm talking about Mm -hmm. getting to with your meditation, the survival instinct, the mating rituals, all these things that get us to just procreate and survive. Those are the easiest levers for ad- advertisers to just go, hey, you know what? You're not man enough. You need this truck or you're not attractive if you don't have this purse to get the right mate or you know, all, all the dumb messaging that's out there. Mm-hmm. But there is this war for your attention to draw your money, what do you? T- what's money? It's your time and your energy in exchange for this thing called money. So it's your life force. You're literally, it's pulling the the force of your life, your energy, the the heartbeats you have left on planet Earth, into some product or some political campaign or whatever it is, out of your life, out of your dreams, away from your focus into what they're telling you to focus on, right? And so. One of these operating systems that help offset that is gratitude because you're like, yo, I'm good. Thank you so much for all the things that I have. I don't need another dumb thing. I don't need that truck. I don't mm-hmm. need this. And so it starts to diffuse that energy of want and lack and something from outside of me has to come in and save me from myself. Something mm-hmm. outside of me has to make me whole because I'm not whole on my own. These are all just these are all just the devil, devil's tricks, man. Right? Yeah. These are, this is not reality. Reality is you're breathing, you're wiggling your toes, you could go find some food, hopefully you're out and and, and you could figure out, you know, you could figure out how your core survival and needs are met. And if they're not, you got some work to do. And we'll, you know, there's a lot I address about that in the book. Uh, but like once you're there, you have to identify the difference between your needs and your wants, right? Your needs are food, water, shelter, love. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, uh, that's it. Yeah. Right. And then your wants are, you know, Toyota truck, Maserati, Birkin purse, whatever the hell people want. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're told what to want. Right. And so once you can start separating those out and developing gratitude for the, the core needs that you have, then it starts to separate you from this, these tentacles that are out trying to grab your attention and pull you, pull your focus away from your life, your dreams, your future, your family into whatever the hell
0: they want you to, you know, put your energy into. Mm-hmm. What's it going to be? Your dreams are someone else's. Yeah. I mean when you put it like that, it becomes very stark and it becomes very, uh, clearly you want your own dreams. Clearly you want that, that you want to be comfortable with where you're at. I, one of the things I find that, um, for me, it's as simple as I can shut my eyes and think about things that I'm grateful for. I can write it down. But when I get in the habit of, of mentally noting things that i 'm grateful for, what I find is that I take that gratefulness with me, whether it 's totally unconsciously, moment to moment. so now yes. when i 've thought about that i 'm grateful for for something for the way my kids uh, say "I love you or whatever that that thing is, if I can embody that sense of gratefulness, I then go through my day, and everything that I come across, I find something to be grateful for in the moment, and it it reframes every experience that I have through the lens of, of gratitude. And, and that is such an unbelievably powerful paradigm shift. You can be grateful for so many things. And when you start to do that, you realize, oh my gosh, what a beautiful, amazing life we all have. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. It, to me, it's an alchemical elixir.
1: It turns the lead of your worry, your fear, your, you know, your doubt and all that, into the gold of gratitude and love and thankfulness and that uh, that operating system, that thing that turns all this like he said she said worry about stuff you don't have and mm-hmm. all that crap into just like I'm so happy I got great kids and you know yeah, a roof over my head that is a that is a transformational uh, piece of software that is if it is not running in the operating system of your mind mm-hmm. you're losing right? The world is too loud. It's It's got too many arrows flying at you. you. It's like, it's like you know, for me, meditation is like flossing. It's not an option. You're going to get crap between your teeth and it'll turn <laughs> into cavities, yeah. yeah, right? It will decay. And so if you're not doing gratitude and meditation, these things in, in this era in particular, right? It's mm-hmm. like, this is Babylon, man. Like if, if you're not doing it now, God help you, right? Like now's the time to get your head straight.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, I want to, I want to jump off of that first in, in a minute, but first, what is your recommendation for how to best begin the gratefulness practice? Like, how do you best begin to attach yourself to the notion that we've been talking about? Um, start with the bookends, get up in the morning, write
1: 10 things that you're grateful for, but then don't just like, you know, fill out a list. Like you would do a to-do list, stop and feel gratitude in your heart for every single one of those. Yeah. yeah. And hold that in your heart. It's it's the emotional state. It's not the mental checklist that actually does the magic, right? And then do it again at night. And just do the bookends at first. Start your day and end your day with it, you know, when you're in bed. Get up, great gratitude before you close your eyes. Gratitude, if you pray or meditate or whatever, you know, incorporate that into, you know, before or after it. And then as you start building that habit and, and flexing that muscle, Then maybe you set a timer and just have like a little reminder or a little, you know, bracelet that every time you look at, it reminds you to be grateful for something. And it just kind of pulls you out of the humdrum craziness of the day. And you're just like, oh man, I just, I'm so lucky to have such a great, great family. And just hold that in your heart for a minute and then go back to your day. The day will be waiting for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I find to your point, you know, when you begin to bookend uh, the inner part really, really changes and you can't help but do some of what you're talking about where you're minute to minute checking in on the gratefulness in, in my opinion. Uh, so a lot of people right now, you know, you, you talk about this not being prescriptive. Um, but being, being part of the operating system, right? This is not the thing that you click to avoid an anxiety attack. Although I think this, these techniques actually really do help with anxiety and depression and a lot of the ailments of the modern age that, that we're seeing a lot of people go through, particularly now. I mean, all the research showing, uh, because of COVID because of quarantine, because of a lot of situations, anxiety and depression are up. So yes, does this help? Absolutely. But you talk about making it a paradigm shift, not just being the thing that you click, but being the operating system, um, why why is that so important right now? And uh, to not just use it as a salve, but to use it as as the core. Well, I mean, there's
1: really really good sound wisdom in getting up and looking for and smelling smoke and stopping a fire before it becomes a three bell alarm. Mm-hmm. And so most of us. Have become so reactive and are so far downstream that we look up and the, half the freaking house is already burned down. Yeah. And then we're trying to like repair things with like breath work and all this. And yeah, sure, it helps, but that's not the intended use, right? Mm-hmm. The superior form of this practice is to be like, hey, um, don't bring that match in my house, <laughs> right? <Before laughs> it even, yeah, right? You <laughs> right know what yeah. I mean? Before it even becomes anything. Yeah. And being aware of that. Right. And, and, and being hyper vigilant because guess what happens when the house burns down? It's nothing but drama. You lose three, four, five years of your life. You're backpedaling. Mm-hmm. You're always dealing with circumstances and trying to dig out a crap instead of being able to be standing on your feet looking forward saying, you know what? I want that ranch. I want my kids to go to that school. I want to learn tango in Argentina, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What happened to your dreams? It got burned down three fires ago because yeah. you weren't being vigilant right And so you know and, and this happens in Western medicine it's like, oh, you have a migraine, take this. why the hell are you getting migraines? right Let's figure that out right Let's figure that out. so let's just let's just put that fire out before it even gets going.
0: And this is like this is right un, under that old adage of an ounce of pre, prevention is worth a pound of cure. Right? i mean you it's true of so many things it's true of what we're talking about here in terms of mental health it's terms in, in terms of your actual personal physical health it's very true Eating right today is way better than dealing with the consequences of two decades of eating poorly and having type two diabetes. It's true of homelessness. Housing people is a lot cheaper than dealing with the downline consequences of homelessness. It's it's true in almost every facet of our lives. This idea of being proactive is so much better in terms of the amount of energy that's required. And and you talk about money being a form of energy, like it, it's just better. To focus on prevention, it's better to focus on being proactive instead of reactive. And I, and I know that so many of us right now are, are, have no tools to be proactive. That's um, it. Yeah.
1: And so, I mean, that's literally why I wrote that book. Yeah. And the reason is, if you are moving blood, energy, and attention to the part of your brain that allows for negation of impulses, higher moral reasoning, rational thinking... You are powering the part of your brain that gives you a fighting chance of being proactive. Mm-hmm. If you are watching the news and reacting to the news and then, you know, mud wrestling trolls on your Facebook feed for something you said and all this <laughs> stuff, I mean, you yeah. are reactive. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right? And then you have some like you get off some sort of like weird thing where you just got into some tiff with some old high school buddy and you unfriended him because screw him for you know believing the other side and then you go out and like, you know, snap at your kid and make a bad decision at work and you know, all these things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All these things happen once you are on tilt. Like that's the poker players right. say, right? Like that you see a guy on tilt and you're like, dude, he's gonna he's down to the felt
0: soon Exactly. He his yeah. money. Right, because we, again, to your point, you're not in control of the situation. You're not in control of your mind. You're not in control of your emotions. You are reacting to all of these things. Uh, you talk about energy uh, and, and we, we've, we've talked about the importance of time. And, and I, you may, I love your analogy of burning, burning the house down, losing your dreams and not having the, the focus of being for because you keep dealing with these fires. Uh, love that. And that, that really covers our time. You, you talk about this idea of being grateful this idea of having dreams, but also being comfortable in where you are now. How do you reconcile the notion that I want, I have goals, dreams, aspirations, but I'm also very comfortable and confident with where I am right now? Yeah. Yeah. that's It's an interesting juxtaposition, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And in the West, um, where we have been modeled, after the dreamer paradigm, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I want this, go forth. And so the way I way I, I mean, it's literally
0: in our vernacular. The American dream is a financial security dream. Sure, sure. And, you know, look, it it has some old world stuff. It's the expansion of your
1: clan. It's holding down lands, being a householder. It's being Mm -hmm. like, you know, king of your own domain. I mean, it, it is very cowboy. And I don't necessarily see anything wrong with that. I think cowboys and Indians, you know, somewhere in between- becomes the reality of, of our next generation if we get it right, which is respect the land that you're standing on and then, you know, have dreams, sustainable dreams that you can hatch that continue to make you happy and are done by you for you, not for some weird thing that's drawing you out of yourself. Like you ask a, a, a you know, I grew up in LA. You ask a, a young boy, hey, what do you want? I want a mansion and I want a Ferrari and I want a blah, blah, blah. It's like all the like dumb material things they've been mm-hmm. told to want.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're like, I, I don't know if you want that. Have you ever been in a Ferrari? Have you, do you even know what you're asking for? Right. You're being told what to want. That's a narrative. That's not you. So who are you? And, and so what I do with students is I say, look, let's just look at your life garden. You have X amount of of mental, emotional, spiritual real estate in front of you, you're X years old and you have your family, your career, your, um, you know, your health, obviously the things that you want, which are also part of that, your passions and all these things are plants that need to be watered in your life garden. Mm. So let's just take a proper accounting right now of where you stand and where's that water going. Right. And, and in doing so, people realize that it's like, you know, in, in America, you'll see, you know, the, this big gnarly tree in the career element. And, you know, 40 years later, you're estranged from your kids, your wife left you, you have diabetes, and like, you know, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: enjoy the money, Bob. Right. Yeah. You know, or, or, or vice versa. It's like, you know what? I screw money. I, I choose to be with my kids, but then I stress about money all the time. Mm-hmm. And so just finding a, a dynamic balance between all of these things that you say you want. And just getting comfortable reconciling like where you are right now. Like if you want to navigate, like rule number one in navigation is to get your bearings right before you go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And if not, then you know you're just wandering in the woods. Mm-hmm. So where are you right now? Where's your where's your life garden right now? Where's the water going? What weeds are taking off uh, taking all your water? And what do you have to do to adjust and balance what you say you want? And then, this is the difference the difference between you know talk and smack. Yeah. And Being a person with agency is what are you saying you're going to do? What are you saying you want? And are you attributing and tying those words with actions that will actually hatch those eggs? Hey, I want to lose 40 pounds. Okay, you've been saying that for 15 years. What are you going to do to lose 40 pounds? Mm. I'm going to take 60% vegetables. I'm going to skip breakfast. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. There's a million ways. But if you don't assign action to
0: the words you're talking, talk is cheap, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes to an a, a, back to a sports analogy. You know, basketball players, uh, there's a lot of chirping on the court. But one of the things is the more that you talk, if your play doesn't back it up, you get... Pushback on on the amount that you talk if you're playing really well you can talk all you want it's it's like it's part of the culture of of that sport is how well your play is versus how much you're able to talk it's it's actually part of baseball too it's part of almost every sport that the connection between action and words has to be there otherwise the culture will um, will reject the words right and so That's for a, and 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 you the same thing is true of the energy state of your body the more you talk about it and don't do it you're actually reinforcing this idea that you can't do the thing that you're setting out to do but when you start to take small actions it has the opposite effect you begin amen. yeah so you if you want to lose weight you put your gym shoes on in the morning your brain will start to be like oh I'm the kind of person that wears gym shoes I'm the kind of person that moves and it will change the course of your life just by connecting your body to your intention, by connecting a single action to your intention, huge difference, huge difference. And and the
1: fundamental premise of what you're saying really is the difference between winners and losers, success and failure, because one of those habits serves you and one of those will take you down, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you can spend a 100 days in a row working yourself out of some bad habit into one that serves you better. You know, I get up and I put on loafers. I get up and I put on gym shoes. Something that simple. That will fundamentally start proving to you as you start taking more steps and action and things that you're doing that you can win. And if you can win at that, what else can you win at? And it Mm -hmm. starts to build your confidence bank account. Whereas the other side is building the I'm a loser bank account, I'm a failure bank account look everyone look at everyone around me, we're all complaining about life, we're all mm-hmm. you know failing together this is our this is our sad lot, you know, and then let me go join a cult and
0: you know be mad at somebody else over it right like it's just <laughs> yeah. it's insane yeah 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 and and when when you don't tie the action to it, I don't know uh, what was the definition of insanity I forget whose quote this is is it Einstein is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. Like, sure. the, the, you're literally making yourself insane by detaching yourself from, from positive outcomes. So I, I, I know your time is valuable. I know you have to go soon. Um, I do want to connect something uh, for people, and, and I want your insight on this. So, w- you know, what we've been talking about right now, a lot of it, and, I've, and you're not the first person to say this. You, you just say it in, u- in a unique way. How much of our attention, time, energy, money, flow, whatever it is, is going into stuff that we unconsciously uh, are forced to put that in. So whether that's because of the ads you're seeing on television or through your little rectangle that we carry in our pocket, you know, wh- whatever's pulling your attention, your energy, yourself into these different directions, so much of it is unconscious. Um, and, and the first step that we've been talking about today is reattaching yourself, reattaching your conscious mind to where your energy, attention, focus is going. Um. How do we begin to, you mentioned in your clients, uh, dealing with where the water is going in their garden. Do you have any suggestions for beginning to unpack? And Because I think so many of us are blind to what our unconscious mind is doing. Beginning to unpack where that unconscious energy is going that we don't even realize we're putting it into the wrong vessel, the wrong urn. Yeah. Um, it's,
1: it's kind of a chicken and egg
0: conversation and argument
1: because the missing ingredient still is awareness. Mm -hmm. So as you learn to bring more awareness into your field, as you could turn the light of your attention around and look inward, then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I've spent the last 15 minutes thinking about how I should have responded to Janet when she walked by and said that thing, mm-hmm. right? And like, you're just like running the script and this narrative, and maybe you hit her in the face with a pie, maybe you embarrassed <laughs> her in front of all these people. Like all these like crazy scenarios right, that right. the mind will just play out, trying to reconcile the emotional dramas and traumas that are just running right under the surface yeah. all day, every day for all of us, Yeah. right? But without the awareness, people are like, oh, I gotta feel heal my, heal my trauma first. It's like, no, increase your awareness, And what's going to happen, and this is where most people just crap out and pull a cord, is then you're going to start feeling more discomfort. Because all of the things that have forced you to move your awareness away from the central stage of your life are now back in front of you. And you're... Aversion to pain, your need to move away from discomfort is the, the the fundamental scar and flaw of how our society has taken our humanity and, and dehumanized us right. into these distracted
0: creatures stumbling around like hungry hungry ghosts. It's like uh it's like when you're if you sit wrong and a leg falls asleep, the pain of your leg coming back on is 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 the awareness of that leg coming back on. So it's going to be the same thing with the awareness of the pain that's in your life. And uh, uh, we were talking about this before too, before we started recording. There's that great quote where you, you won't make change in your life until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Now, most of us want to change in some way. Most of us in our heart of hearts, we know that we're not quite where we want to be. We can be grateful for where we are right now, but we're not... We're not living that dream that we were that we've been talking about all day, um, and I, what what you're talking about now is exposing yourself to the pain of staying the same. We salve our pain with comfort foods. We solve our pain with uh, with substances, alcohol, drugs. We we solve our pain with distractions like our our phone, social media. Uh, watching shows, you know, watching movies that or, or reality TV—the stuff that just takes us away from the pain of staying the same—and the beauty and of this is what you're talking about is exposing yourself to that pain will make the change the easier route.
1: It, you know, what you got to get in to get out, and our entire culture. And I, I think this is why COVID has also created such an opportunity right mm-hmm. now because we had this this huge like tool bag of ways to anesthetize. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to go bowling. I'm going to go for drinks. I'm going to do this. I'm, you know, like whatever. And a lot of that went away. Now you're like, damn, it's me and these four walls and I don't even get along with my wife. And I used to run away from her and now I can't even do that. Right. Right. Like alcoholism is up. Domestic violence is up. Like people are just like boiling because they're like, wow, this sucks. Yeah. Okay. So what do we got to fix? Right. This is you. This is you. This is your life. This is the collective um, baggage of all the decisions that you've made in the last 30, 40, 50 years that have put you in this circumstance that you continue to run from, and now there's nowhere to run and nowhere to hide, and you feel discomfort, don't you? Great. Let's, Let's now work with that. Let's heal that. Let's let go of that. What parts of your operating system are fundamentally misaligned, what things are left unsaid in your marriage that need to be spoken about, What what is happening in this mirror with this body that you detest that you need to do something about, mm-hmm. right? Let's come back to truth. Let's come back to reality. Let's not get marginalized by left team or right team or any of this crap trying to get our attention out away from our lives Distracting us into thinking it's the liberals or the conservatives or the whites or the blacks that are the freaking problem. Right. I'm the problem. Mm -hmm. And I'm responsible for solving my own problems so I could be a whole man and be the dad and the husband and the community member that everyone around me deserves to see. Yeah. Right. So it's just, it's the work, but we run from the work because we've been sold on this pill for an ill magic bullet model. Mm-hmm. And we're just looking for a savior. Everyone's just, everyone's going hail Mary after hail Mary thinking that's how you catch up from a 50
0: point deficit.
1: Usually it's just the running game, man. <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> yeah. I mean, and this is what you like, so this is what you're talking about when you talk about highest potential. And this is, you, you actually have, the irony is you actually have the pill for the ill, right? The pill for, the, the, pill for yeah. the ill is awareness and consistency. That's it like that's the pill for the ill you you want to change your diet you got to be aware of what you're eating by the way I was just talking about this uh, uh, this study about intermittent fasting and this guy came out and, and there's there a new research in humans and, and versus rats it was one of the first times they've done a, a coordinated trial in humans uh, I'm to just to skip to the end everybody lost weight on the trial and i was talking to somebody else about this and the point about that I, that i made was the reason why everybody lose weight loses weight on nutrition trials is because everybody has to write down everything that they're eating whether they've changed whether they're in their control group or their experimental group they have to write down everything that they're eating and what does writing down do it makes you aware of everything that you're putting into your body and what you're talking about is making you aware of everything that you're putting into your mind and that, and yeah. you you will lose weight just by being aware you will you know quote unquote lose weight you will have that same experience where you will begin to change your uh, when you change your awareness you will change the paradigm of your life by doing that i uh, i wholeheartedly believe that and you know what um it is the missing ingredient
1: But everyone thinks someone's going to whisper something in their ear or they're going to listen to the magic podcast or read the book that, you know, someone recommended that's going to give them some satori flash. And Mm -hmm. suddenly they're going to have this thing called awareness, which then fundamentally rewrites everything else, like some sort of like, you know, bolt from the sky. Mm -hmm. And what they don't realize is all they got to do is start watering the plants that then give back, right? Mm-hmm. All they got to do is ignite this part of their brain and continue to ignite it until it becomes, and look, I mean, you want to get you know religious about this. You become a light unto yourself, mm-hmm. right? But until you ignite that part of your consciousness, and the, you know, the mystics call it the third eye, or the neuroscientists own brain labs, right? The neuroscientists call it the prefrontal cortex. Yeah. And so as you start to develop this part of our neuroanatomy, That we understand does these things, and we understand meditation will get you there, and mind-body practice will get you there, however you want to climb that mountain. I don't care. But if you start putting time, energy, and focus into that, it then becomes this self-perpetuating gift that keeps on giving, and then you become more and more aware – and then you start, you're like, wow, wow, look at that. Turns out I've been running with my shoelaces untied for like, you know, three miles, mm-hmm. right? Oh, it turns out, um, you know, when I uh, drive my car, I pick my nose. I don't know, right? Like all this like crazy stuff that just has been under the radar because you're too busy fussing about your life and not mm-hmm. even being present mm-hmm. while in traffic, yeah. right? And all of these things start to surface when you turn the light of awareness around. Right now for most people, it's like lights out or at best flickering, right? Burn it on, keep it on, and that beacon will then drive your life into better decisions and more conscious agency of being proactive, smelling for the smoke instead of waiting for the house to burn down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Way to bring it full circle. Uh, your time is valuable. I know you got to go. Dr. Pedram Shojai, the book is Focus, Bringing Time, Energy, and Money into Flow. Uh, link to where to buy it in the show notes. Two last questions. One is, if people want to follow up with you, where's the best place for them to do it? The urban
1: is where all my courses and teaching stuff is. And then whole TV is where all my films and
0: series are links to whole, both of those, whole.tv. uh, links to both of those websites in the show notes. You guys can just click that one last thing. I ask it to everybody. What is one thing we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better?
1: I'm just going to be redundant. I'm going to be that same guy. Meditate. Yeah. Meditate, meditate, meditate. Don't talk about, oh, I heard that stuff is cool. None of that matters until you meditate. I don't, and it's not like, oh, do the Pedram meditation and like get a tattoo with my name on it. I don't care about any of that. Just meditate. Learn how to meditate. Keep meditating. It will be the gift that keeps on giving Mm -hmm. and you cannot live a full life without mental floss in this day and age. You got to clear the gunk. You got to be clear so you can make better decisions for your life, your family's life, and be someone who can be looked upon in this community as a beacon of light.
0: Man, you know what's even crazier? you want to extend the metaphor even farther, the stuff in your brain that causes Alzheimer's and the stuff between your teeth that causes cavities, both called plaque. Both called yep. plaque. You're getting rid of the plaque. So Well, you
1: know, what's funny is we just did an eight-part series called Gateway to Health about oral health and its uh, link to uh, whole body health. Mm-hmm. And it very literally will translate from your gums into your bloodstream and start to create plaque in your brain. It's the same stuff. Yeah, It's all the same stuff. Just you guys,
0: like... Get the gunk out of your life, and find clarity. I love it, Dr. Pedram Shojai. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. That's it for our show today. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. You get your podcast. It helps us out a lot. If you guys want to follow up with us, Facebook.com slash John Tesh, where we go live all the time. We're posting videos, all kinds of fun stuff. John is also on Twitter at John Tesh on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every mention, every DM about the show. Uh, in fact, a couple of our guests have actually been people that you guys have recommended or, or some of you. So uh, yeah, so keep them coming because you know I do this show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening.